Welcome to the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, where we listen, learn, and love together. Our speaker today is Pastor Jonathan Pinato. Open your Bible to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13, and we'll be reading from verses 11 through 18. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. And because of the signs it was given power to perform, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. And it told them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And the second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads. So that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And that number is six, six, six. Our sermon this morning is entitled, The Mark of the Beast. The Mark of the Beast. Father, once again, we ask for your Holy Spirit to be poured upon us. And as we delve into this difficult and and sensitive subject, Father, I just pray that you may be able to speak to us, show us what it is that this means and And how we can prepare for this event. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a lot of ground to cover in Revelation 13. And and I won't be able to cover everything. So instead, I want to be focusing primarily on six characteristics of this second beast found in verse 11. And also on the mark of the beast. And also what we, can be do, what we can do to prepare for this event. So we'll be covering three main, three main topics. Six characteristics of this beast. Focusing on the mark of the beast and how we can prepare for this event. In Revelation chapter 13, we find two beasts. Beasts in Bible prophecy represent nations. They represent kingdoms, they, or they represent po- empires or, or powers. And then we know that from Daniel chapter 7, where the angel told Daniel, these four beasts represent nations and kingdoms. 
And so when we're looking at Revelation chapter 13, Revelation chapter 13 is not speaking of a literal beast that is coming out of the sea. It's not speaking of a literal beast that is coming out of the earth, but it's speaking to us of nations, nations that have sway in this world, that have had sway in this world, that do have sway in this world currently, and that will have sway in this world. The first beast in Revelation chapter 13 is the church of the Middle Ages, or as it is known today politically, the Vatican, or the papacy, or more religiously, the Roman Catholic Church. It was the church of the Middle Ages that held sway for 1,260 years, and it had world power and influence during that time. But the Bible passage says that this first beast would receive a deadly wound. When did that first beast or when did the papacy or Vatican receive that deadly wound? In the year 1798, when Napoleon sent his general to take the Pope captive with the intent of putting the papal system to an end. What country was Napoleon from? France. France. Hmm. France and the French Revolution was prophesied about in Revelation chapter 11. And France and the French Revolution played a crucial role in Bible prophecy in relationship and in ushering the rise of modern day secularism. I also find it interesting that France is once again in the news. In relationship to another entity described in Bible prophecy. And that is Islam found in the sixth trumpet of Revelation chapter 9. We are living in, during the time of the sixth trumpet, and God has indicated that Islam is and will continue to serve as a scourge, as a punisher, and as a destroyer upon this earth, at least until the seventh trumpet sounds. But coming back to Revelation chapter 13... We have the first beast, which stands for and is a symbol of the church of the Middle Ages, the Vatican or the papacy or the Roman Catholic Church. And then in verse 11, we have a second beast arising. Turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 13 and verse 11. It says, then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. This second beast rises to power as the first beast receives its deadly wound. And so if we want to look at this historically, if the first beast is a symbol of the Roman Catholic Church and the Roman Catholic Church received its deadly wound in 1798, and this second beast is rising to power during this same time, and this beast represents a nation, the question to ask ourselves is, what nation or kingdom or empire was rising to power during the 1790s. Only one. The United States of America. 
You see, the second beast of Revelation chapter 13 and verse 11 is none other than the United States of America. And what we want to do now is we want to look at six characteristics of this second beast or six characteristics of the United States of America as described in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 11. Now, the focus of Revelation 13 verse 11 is mainly the end time. So some of the characteristics of this second beast described here may not be readily visible in our day, but they will be in the near future. And by paying attention to and being familiar with these characteristics, we will be able to know at what stage we're at in Bible prophecy. So are you ready? Characteristic number one, verse 11. I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. Characteristic number one in the Bible, a lamb is a symbol of Jesus, Jesus, and a dragon is a symbol of Satan. And so here, and much more can be said about this characteristic, but needless to say, on the outside, our nation appears to be Christian. We say we are a Christian nation. To the, to, to the rest of the world, we are a Christian nation. But when you t- take a deeper look into our nation, you will find that there is a serious disconnect between its profession and what's really happening on the inside. Horns like a lamb, symbol of Jesus, but it speaks like a dragon, symbol of Satan. Characteristic number two, found in verse 12. It says here that it exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf. This characteristic here simply says that, uh, in other words, the first beast was a world power. So this second beast will also be a world power. And indeed, the United States is a world power. It is a superpower like no other. Characteristic number three found in verse 12 as well. It says that it made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. Now, here is the first hint in this passage of a shift in our nation and how our nation governs. Not only is it a shift, it mentions it made everyone worship the first beast. What is the first beast? Catholicism or the Roman Catholic Church. Not only is this a shift in our country towards Catholicism. Do you remember John F. Kennedy? He was a Catholic. And the discussion was, can a Catholic be a president of the United States of America? Now, that's how Protestant we were. I'm not saying those feelings were correct, but that's how Protestant we were. But indeed, now we see a shift happening in this country towards Catholicism. But not just a shift, this this passage doesn't just speak of a shift towards Catholicism in our country, but it also uses this key word in verse 12, it says, it made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast. Focus on that word made. This Bible passage tells us that there will be a shift in this country towards some type of totalitarian form. We're not there yet. 
We still have freedom. We still have liberty. This country isn't forcing anyone to worship any which way. And so when I look at these characteristics, I believe that this is where we're at in Bible prophecy right now. Our our country uh, is a professedly Christian nation, but there's a serious disconnect with what's happening on the inside. Our nation is a superpower. We see that in our days. We also see in our days a shift towards Catholicism. But we don't yet see this totalitarian form quite yet. So if we want to know where we are in Bible prophecy, this is where we're at. Waiting for that to take place. Characteristic number four found in verse 13. Characteristic number four found in verse 13. It says, and it performed great signs even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Here the Bible says that supernatural signs, as we near the end of time, supernatural signs will be performed. Now, I'm not sure that literal fire will come down from heaven, but for sure there will be powerful and convincing displays of a supernatural nature. Many see here in this verse, fire coming down from heaven. They see it as an allusion to the story of Elijah. You remember Elijah on Mount Carmel with all the false prophets of Baal. And, and, and he prays to the Lord and the Lord sends fire down from heaven. Others see in this illusion of fire coming down from heaven, uh, an allusion to the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out and there were tongues of fire upon the heads of those who were present. But unlike those stories where the supernatural signs served to turn people to God, the result of these supernatural signs will be deception. People will be deceived. People will be turned away from God because of these supernatural signs. Verse 14, because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of of the earth. Now, I'm not opposed to supernatural signs, but oftentimes what I have seen is that people will believe a supernatural sign over and above the testimony of Scripture. And that's a problem. Oftentimes, people believe the supernatural sign above the testimony of Scripture because they're not familiar with the Bible. They don't know what the Bible says. They don't know what what the teaching of the Bible says. They just don't know. And in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 24, Jesus warned us. He said, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and they will perform, perform great signs and wonders in order to deceive, if possible, even the very elect. And so be cautious with supernatural signs. If they contradict the scriptures, don't believe them. Spend time every day familiarizing yourself with the Bible and with the teaching of the Bible so that you won't be deceived. My friends, the Bible truly is our only safeguard in the last days. Characteristic number five, found in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 14. The last part, it said... It deceives the inhabitants of the earth, and it ordered them to set up an image. Some other translations actually say um, it told them or saying to the people of the earth to set up an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. 
Characteristic number five is we see a glimpse of some sort of democratic process in all this. It is the people, it is the people who are creating and calling for the creation of the image of the beast. It will be the people who will call for it. And for me, that's a scary, that's a scary thing. And this Bible passage here in verse 14 is indicating that something new will happen. And on the screen, you see a picture of our, of our capital. And then uh, pasted next to it is a picture of St. Peter's Basilica um, in the Vatican. Many people have, have made comments about the similarities between that. There's also an obelisk um, in the center there of St. Peter's uh, Basilica or St. Peter's Square. And there's also an obelisk. In Washington, D.C., not too far from the Capitol, and it is the Washington Monument. I don't know how much of that was coincidence, how much of that was was just love for architecture and for beauty, or if there is anything deeper there. But here the Bible is telling us in verse 14 that there will be a shift in this country, and it will create something new. It will create an image to the first beast. You see, my friends, this country will change. And the word there that it's used for image, image of the beast, what it means in the Greek is an object shaped to resemble the form or the appearance of something. That which has the same form as something else. And so when we're seeing here that the people will be calling for and creating an image of the beast, what it's telling us is that this country will change. To look like what that first beast is. So what was the first beast all about? The first beast was all about a false and fallen church united with the state. It looks like a lamb, but inside it speaks like a dragon. As Seventh-day Adventist, we believe in the separation of church and state. This nation was founded upon that principle of the separation of church and state, of the Bill of Rights, of the ability to have freedom. We have a religious liberty department specifically designed for this end, to help ensure that church and state remain separate. What does the separation of church and state mean? Well, it doesn't mean we can't express our faith in public. Uh, What it means at a most basic level is that the church shouldn't be involved with politics and the state shouldn't be dictating to the church what it can and cannot do. And what I've seen is that many Christians struggle with this concept. They believe that the church and state should somehow be united. And I think they mean well. On the surface, I believe that Christian values should permeate all levels of society and government. But there's another side to the coin. And oftentimes what you'll see is that during campaign season and during election season, political campaign signs will go up in church yards. Government leaders will address church members and pastors will encourage their parishioners to vote for those candidates. That close-knit relationship between church and state can become very problematic. Seventh-day Adventist, you can vote for whoever you want to vote. 
I won't tell you who to vote for, and I'll still love you. It doesn't matter who you vote for. And I hope you extend the same courtesy to me. (laughs) Characteristic number six found in verse 15. The Bible says the second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. Verse 15. Well, it is the people who are calling for the creation of this image. It is the second beast that is able to give life to this image. And the second beast is who? The United States of America. It is the United States of America that is empowering this image of the beast. And then once the image of the beast is created, the image of the beast begins to speak. Now that's interesting because in verse 11, who is doing the speaking? The second beast. In verse 11, it is the United States of America that is doing the speaking. But now here in verse 15, there is a shift now. It is no longer the United States of America that is speaking. It is now the image of the beast that is speaking. In other words, there will be a change in how this country is run and operated. And it will look like the first beast. My friends, let me tell you something. Countries change. Countries change. It may take time for countries to change. But if there is a crisis of significant magnitude, countries will change quite rapidly, sometimes overnight, if not within a few years. In this last century, we've seen many countries, both in the West and in the East, change governments. Example number one, Germany. From an empire in the 1800s to the Weimar Republic after World War I to fascism and Nazism to splitting between East and West after the Second World War, to being united again to what it is now. Russia changed, and when it changed, it changed half of Europe with it, both when it changed at the beginning and when it changed just here now at the end in the 1990s. Countries in Latin America have changed. Cuba, just 90 miles off our coast, wasn't it once our playground where we would go and have a grand old time Just 90 miles off our coast, it changed, and it became one of our greatest enemies. One of our allies in South America, Venezuela, one of our closest allies, changed within the last few years and now has become one of our enemies. Countries in Asia have changed. China, Japan, Korea have changed. Countries in Africa have changed. In the Middle East, countries change. And our nation, though largely stable, is not immune to change. Oftentimes, change will be uh, precipitated by some sort of financial crisis. That's typically where, where it all starts. Cries come against the opulence of the 1%. Have you heard that? Of the extravagance of the 1%, mixed with nationalistic calls to make the nation great again. Pessimism and feelings of uncertainty about the future generation become prevalent. Does that sound familiar? Are we seeing glimpses of it even now, of how quickly things can go bad? In 2007, we had a financial crisis. They say it was probably the worst financial crisis since the Great Depression. Eight years later, we're still trying to pull ourselves out of that recession. 
My friend, Bible prophecy tells us that this country and its government will change into an image of that first beast. It will change into some form of a church and state type of government. And when that change happens, freedoms will be lost. A totalitarian environment will become prevalent here in this country. Not a fascist form of totalitarianism, not a Marxist form of totalitarianism, but a religious form of totalitarianism. Anytime religion and politics mix, it's a bad deal. Every time in history that the church and the state have united, freedoms have been lost, specifically religious freedom. And it doesn't matter what the religion is that is in charge, whether that religion is Christian or whether it's non-Christian or whether that religion is pagan or Eastern religion. It always ends up persecuting those who don't follow the majority religion time and time again. History testifies to that. God has given us glimpses of how this has worked in the past. And the scary thing, though, my friends, is that it will happen here in this country. And it will be the people who will call for it. Just this last week, I saw a a little political cartoon. And uh, in the political cartoon, it says, those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. And then it says, those who do know history stand by helpless watching others repeat it. And finally, in verse 15 and 16, it says that it will cause all those who refuse to worship the image of the beast to be killed. It will force all people, verse 16, great and small, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they cannot buy or sell unless they have that mark. A system will be put into place to distinguish those who are loyal to the new government and those who are not loyal to the new government. And if not loyal, economic sanctions will follow and ultimately it will escalate to death. Now, as I read this in my mind, in my heart, I say, no way, not the United States of America, no way. But Bible, the Bible tells us it will happen. And we can see glimpses even now of how that can happen. So what now? We're in a waiting period. We're in a waiting period right now. The next great prophecy to be, be fulfilled is watching this country change and transition into some sort of totalitarian religious a union of church and state. The next step is to see the the Bill of Rights and the freedoms that we have being torn aside and pushed aside. When will that happen? I don't know. Only the Lord knows. But God is calling us to be aware of the signs of the times. And at the same time, He calls us to occupy ourselves until He comes. I had a professor once when we were dealing with these subjects. He said there's some Adventists who love, uh, they love, they love uh, sitting, he says, on the tip of a candle. And he says you can't live on the tip of a candle without getting burned. We need to be careful with sensationalism. As long as I can remember, there have been people saying 
that the mark of the beast is right around the corner. That a Sunday law is right around the corner. That it's in the books and Congress is going to have a secret session and they're going to pass it. I don't think that that's healthy. I think that's speculation. And what I've seen time and time again is that those type of people get burned. We have to be aware of the signs of the times. But at the same time, we shouldn't be crying wolf either. Ellen White warns against those who bring a time of trouble beforehand. She says, there is a time of trouble coming to the people of God. But we are not to keep that constantly before the people and rein them up to have a time of trouble beforehand. There is to be a shaking among God's people, but this is not the present truth to carry to the churches. It seems that some need to be scared in order to find motivation to be faithful to God and to obey God. But why can't the love of God be enough motivation for us to be faithful to Him? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, it's the love of God that compels me, that constrains me. Why can't the love of God be enough? Why do we have to be scared from time to time in order to be faithful to God? I want Jesus to come in my lifetime. But that's in His hands. In the meantime, He's calling us to occupy ourselves by being faithful to Him. By being faithful to the mission that He has given us. And so how do we prepare for this event of the mark of the beast? First of all, preparation always begins in the spiritual dimension. In Daniel chapter 1, when Daniel was faced with a crisis about what to eat and what not to eat... Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8 says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. How do we prepare for the event of the mark of the beast? It begins with spiritual preparation. It begins with today you making a decision to be faithful to God, to obey God no matter what, to exercise faith in God no matter what. We can practice faithfulness today and no one's threatening our life. We can worship God right now. Anyone can worship however they want to right now in this country without their life being threatened. Do you think if we can't be faithful to God right now when we have freedom to worship Him, do you think we'll obey Him when someone puts a knife to our throat? There's a saying in the book of Jeremiah. If you've run on foot and have tired, how will you run with the horses? If we can't be faithful to God right now, who are we kidding ourselves that when things get tough, all of a sudden we'll you know, straighten out and be faithful to God then? And so I want to appeal to you this morning, if you're working on Sabbath, if you're working on Sabbath, can you ask God to give you the courage to keep the Sabbath holy? Can you exercise faith in God that He will provide even if you lose your job for being faithful to the Sabbath? Can we do that right now? Uh, When we follow what God says, there's only blessing. It's when we do what we want to do that we get ourselves into trouble. If there is something that you are doing right now that is not honoring God, how about surrendering it to Him right now? Can we do that? Can we make that decision right now? 
How can we prepare for this event? We can prepare for it by purposing in our hearts to be faithful to God right now. There's another passage, though, Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. In verse 12, it mentions another characteristic. How can we prepare for that event? How about this one? It says, here is the patience and the perseverance of the, of the saints. How about right now? How about we exercise patience and perseverance in the things of God? What would that look like? How about we decide to come to church faithfully? How about that? Can we do that? Can we show our, our, our consistency by coming to church faithfully? I remember an elder that I had in, in the church in Michigan where I was a student pastor. He said, if I'm in the state of Michigan, I will be at my church. I love that level of commitment. How about showing some type of level of commitment here in our day? How about showing perseverance and patience in our relationship with God right now? Some of us are in a yo-yo relationship with God. We're close to him and then we're far and then we're close and then we're far and then we're close and then we're far. We spend time with him and then we ignore him. We pray and then we don't pray. How about showing perseverance in our relationship with God by spending time with God every day reading the scriptures? Can we make that decision right now? Can we make the decision to, be, to spend time in prayer every day? Can we make the decision to not get weary in well-doing? But can we show a level of perseverance and consistency as a sign of preparation for the end of time? How can we prepare for the day of the mark of the beast? There's another characteristic in Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 1, it says, And the 144,000, they had the name of the Father and of the Son in their forehead. In the Bible, a name is a symbol for character. The people who will be faithful to God at the end of time will have the character of God. They will have the character of Jesus. They will have the love of God in their hearts. They will have the love of Jesus in their hearts. And so the question for us this morning, if you want to prepare for the end of time and the mark of the beast, the question should be, how can you become more like Jesus? How can you become more like Jesus? In my day, I don't think there's any here. You can let me know. In my day, I've, I've seen a lot of madness. I've seen a lot of bad Adventists who come with bad attitudes to church, who come angry at church, who come to criticize, who come to gossip, who haven't learned how to forgive, how to get along with others. If we want to prepare for that day of the mark of the beast, the Bible tells us that we should have the love and the character of the Father in us. How can we prepare physically for the mark of the beast? Well, whenever there has been widespread persecution, people will flee to places of safety. Typically in the past, people will flee to uninhabited or sparsely populated places. And there's a movement among Adventists uh, to, to move out to the country. Have you heard it? Are you aware of it? If you're an Adventist long enough, you, you'll, you'll hear about it. Country living. And, and I think there's wisdom in that. The when, the how, the where, God will have to lead you in that. I just encourage you not to do anything rash in the meantime. And so the Bible tells us, my friends, in summary, that this country, the United States of America, a country of freedom, will one day change and become totalitarian in nature. 
The freedom to worship will be gone, and it will eventually force everyone on pain of death to worship the beast. There will only be two groups, those who have the seal of God, a symbol of faithfulness and obedience to God, who worship God, and those who have the mark of the beast, which is a symbol of faithfulness to the beast. How can we this morning show our faithfulness to God in this time of peace and safety. This podcast is brought to you by the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. Connect with us on www.jaxsda.org or on Facebook and YouTube. We look forward to sharing more inspiring messages with you.